we all doing today? Good, good. So glad to see you all here, all the bright, shining, smiling faces. I'm excited to be here. It's a privilege to be with you to share from God's Word. I'm excited to do that each week. And I think, I think that you guys know me to a certain degree by now. Would you agree? Yeah. I like a certain amount of audience participation. That's cool, man. Bring it. Bring it. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I, I, I love to hear answers to my questions. I do. I love to hear the amens. Because that tells me that you guys are with me. It tells me that you're tracking with me. Also reminds me of a story that I heard about a church. This happened to be down south where they have a lot more of that kind of like talkback type preaching. And it was a church very much like Hope Church, fairly young in its infancy. And the pastor was really excited about the future of the church. And one morning he said, friends, friends, this church is like a crippled man who needs to get up and walk by the power of Jesus. And the people said, let it walk, preacher, let it walk. And the preacher said, friends, like Elijah on Mount Carmel, this church needs to get up and needs to run. The people said, let it run, preacher, let it run. And the preacher said, Friends, this church, it needs to mount up on wings like eagles, and it needs to fly, friends. It needs to fly. And they said, let it fly, preacher. Let it fly. And the preacher said, friends, if this church is going to fly, it is going to need money. And they said, let it walk, preacher. Let it walk. Isn't it interesting how a single word can change the whole mood of a moment, especially in church, especially when that word is money. Well, this morning, we're going to finish up, we're going to kind of continue and finish up in this little mini two-week mini-series that we're doing on giving. And the Bible has a lot to say on this subject of giving and money. And friends, it is our job to teach the Word. Remember, we are commanded to teach all that Jesus has commanded us. That includes everything that is in His holy and inspired Word, and that includes the subject of giving. Now, last week, if you were with us, you might remember that we focused more on really the why of giving. We kind of wrestled with the question, why should we give? And we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul really summed it all up in one word for us. Anybody remember what that word was? Grace. Grace. The grace of God that was poured out on the cross. It is that grace that compels us. It is that grace that controls us. It's that grace that creates in us a willingness, a desire to give back to God and to give to others. And if you recall, Paul held up the Macedonian churches as an example of giving. 
They gave out of their poverty. They gave willingly, not out of compulsion. They actually begged Paul for the privilege of presenting an offering for the church. They didn't give because they had to. They gave because they had experienced the grace of God in their lives. That's the why of giving. Today, we're going to explore more about the how of giving. And we're going to continue in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Because in chapter 9, the chapter after we looked at last week, in chapter 9, we see very clear instructions with regard to the how of giving. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at, uh, I think, all 15 verses. Now, as a reminder from last week, we said that Paul was in Macedonia while he was writing this letter. And just so we understand the geography, the Greek peninsula was broken into regions. And Macedonia was in the northern region. And that's where we find the churches of Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. And then the southern section was where we found Achaia. And Corinth was the main city, the largest city in Achaia. And remember that last week we said Paul was holding up the Macedonian churches as a prime example of giving. Now listen to what he says at the beginning of chapter 9. He says, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to give. Now, do you see what Paul is up to here? He's, he's really being kind of playful and a little bit sarcastic. He's saying, you know, I don't even need to write this. I don't even need to write about this service, about this offering. And there's the sarcasm. Because let's face it, if, if the Corinthians were as willing to give as Paul intimates here, he wouldn't have to write this. But he is writing this. And now, now you notice that Paul is kind of, in a sense, turning the tables, and he's bragging about the Corinthian church to the Macedonians. In chapter 8, Paul was making an example of the Macedonians. Now he's boasting to the Macedonians about the willingness of the Corinthians to give. Sly guy. And he's telling the Corinthians that their example has motivated others to give. So Paul is using each other as an example to encourage the other to give. And let's face it, when people see giving, they are then encouraged to give. That's one of the reasons that we give, is to encourage others. Paul continues with this little sarcastic kind of playfulness in the following verses. He says in verses 3 through 5, but I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. 
So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So you see the sarcasm here? You see the way Paul is kind of being sarcastic and a little bit playful? He's saying because of the Corinthians' willingness to give, they would have, they would have undoubtedly had brought the gift themselves eventually. But, you know, just to save them the trouble, Paul says, I'm going to send Titus over with the, with the other men to collect the offering. You know, I've been boasting about you. We certainly wouldn't want a situation where we, and of course you, would be embarrassed or ashamed. And everyone then will see your gift as a generous one, not one given out of obligation. And this is consistent with Paul's message from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Giving is not a matter of law. And then in verse 6, Paul writes this. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, here's where we want to dig in, and and this is where we're going to see one of the keys to the how of giving. We are to give generously. We are to give generously. And Paul uses this farming metaphor here to make his point. We have some farmers here today, so you guys tell me if I'm way off on this. But if a farmer has 50 seeds, and he holds on to those seeds, at the end of the harvest, what's he going to have? 50 seeds. But if he lets go of those seeds, if he plants those seeds... The harvest is ten times that. And what if he lets go of 500 seeds? The harvest is even more bountiful after that. You guys get the principle? But again, what we want to emphasize, we talked about this last week, we want to emphasize the fact that this is not a prosperity gospel. It's not a prosperity gospel. We don't give generously though, so that we become rich or so that our bills are magically paid or we won't have any financial issues anymore. No, we give generously because we trust in the promises of God. God has promised to care for us and we trust in those promises. Materially, we can trust that God will provide for the generous heart. He will provide for the generous giver. It's the promise that we find in Philippians chapter 4. There it says, God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He will supply your every need. And this promise from Philippians is given in the context of the generous giving of the Philippian church. God will provide for the generous heart Materially, spiritually, God will provide for the generous heart in this world and for all eternity. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 19, 
And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But again, not a prosperity deal. Obviously, Jesus isn't saying that we will receive a hundred houses if we give up our house. Or a hundred wives, for that matter. Some of you guys are going, whew. Just kidding, ladies. But the principle, the principle is consistent with what Paul is teaching here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You are never a loser. You are never a loser when you give to God, and we should never be afraid of giving too much. So we are to give generously. That's the principle. But what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that look like to give generously? Well, how many of you are familiar with a tithe? Everyone know what a tithe is? What is a tithe? 10%, right? In the Old Testament, under the law, God required tithes of his people. Actually, there were several tithes that were required, and they all were 10%. There was the Levitical tithe, which was the tithe that paid for the temple and the, and the work of the church. There was the festivals tithe. There was the tithe for the poor people. So under the law, it was not unusual for people to give up to half of what they had back to God and to others. So how does this apply to us today? Does it apply to us today? Well, friends, the, the truth is there's no command in the New Testament that requires Christians to tithe. It's just not in there. In fact, it's very clear in a number of passages that we are free from the law. We are free from the old covenant. In Colossians 2, we read that it's Christ that canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. That's the law which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says, a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We are free from the law. We no longer live under the old covenant. We live under the new covenant in Jesus' blood. However, however, that does not absolve us of our responsibility to give. The principle is we are to give generously. So what does that look like? Is, is 10% generous? Well, you know what? For some it may be. For others, it might not be so generous. Now look, having the goal of giving 10%, that's awesome, that's great. But you know what? If you're giving 10% and you don't even miss it, that's not giving generously. Maybe for someone like that, it should be 12 or 15 or 
give generously. And I know that some of you might, think, might be thinking, you know, if I gave 10%, my kids wouldn't eat. I couldn't pay the mortgage. Well, God doesn't expect that either. You are responsible for providing shelter and food for your family. There's no question about that. Remember, Paul said when we talked last week, he said you are to give according to your means. According to your means. You cannot give what you do not have. God measures our giving against our resources. Now, that being said, that being said, if someone says, you know what, there's no way that I could give 10%. I just, I couldn't do it. But they're driving around in a brand new car with a $700 a month car payment. And they have the ultra mega gold cable package because they need all the movies and all the sports. And everybody's got cell phones, premium plans. And they're walking around in the latest fashions. That doesn't make sense either. Remember, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If you have any question, any question at all about where your heart is, open your checkbook. That'll tell you. So the principle, friends, is to give generously. The exact percentage, that's going to vary based on your resources. Continuing in verse 7, we're going to find another principle in there in just a second. But there Paul says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, before we get to that second principle, I want you to notice that Paul says, each of you, each of you, and the implication is clear here. It means that we are all in this together. We are all to be givers, knowing that resources dictate the amount. Make no mistake, smaller gifts, smaller gifts are no less important than the larger ones. Think about the woman who dropped two small copper coins into the offering. What did Jesus say about her? He said, she gave more than all the rest combined. Because she gave out of her needs. She gave generously and she gave with the right heart. Our offering, friends, is not a compulsory amount. It is what we have decided in our heart to give. Another way to say it, and we've kind of alluded to this already, but another way to say it is our giving reveals the purposes of our heart. If we say we love God more than golf, sorry to pick on you golfers, but if you, if you say you love God more than you love golf, Yet you spend all your money on golf clubs and golf balls and on playing golf and you don't give anything to the church that tells you something about your heart. Talk is cheap. We talked about this last week. Talk is cheap. It is our actions that will show our true heart. 
And then Paul says, and here's where we get into this second principle of giving. Paul says that God loves, or another translation says, God favors a cheerful giver. We are to give cheerfully. Cheerfully. I find it incredibly interesting that this Greek word here that is translated cheerful is the Greek word hilaros. Yeah, yeah. It's where we get the English word hilarious. Now, I have seen a lot of offering plates go around over the years, but I have never seen anyone laughing hilariously as they drop their check in. But maybe we should be. Maybe we should be that cheerful about our giving. See, like agape love, giving generously and giving cheerfully, it is a choice. It's a choice. It is a decision of the heart. And why give cheerfully? Why give generously? Because that's what God does. God gives generously. God gives cheerfully. In verses 8 and 9, Paul writes, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. The first thing that we must come to terms with, the first thing that we must believe is that God is able to bless us. God is able to reward our giving. And we are convinced of this since we know that God owns it all. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all God's anyway. It's just on loan to us. And we're called to be good stewards of what He's blessed us with. He gives to us generously. Has He given to us generously? Amen. Amen. In so many ways. Spiritually, He pours out His love. He pours out His mercy. He pours out His grace. The salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. Cheerfully and generously, He lavishes that all upon us. Materially, Paul says that he provides for our every, here's the key, need. He supplies for our needs, not our wants. The English Standard Version actually translates that one phrase there, in all things, at all times. The English Standard Version translates that, having all sufficiency. That's a word that we see in other places in the New Testament as well. And it's a Greek word that can also be translated contentment. When you have what you need, you're content. When we give, we're not expecting to become rich. We're not expecting to have our mortgage like magically paid off or our bills suddenly go away. 
We are blessed. God supplies for our needs so that we can abound in our good works. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. We don't hoard our blessings. We don't hoard them. We allow them to flow through us and they channel out to others. That's what it means, friends, to store up treasures in heaven. Those are the only things that are going to last. Our generosity, our giving, all of our stuff, that's not going to last. It's not going to mean a thing. And Paul reinforces this in verses 10 and 11. And this is actually a prayer for the Corinthians. He says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Again, we must recognize that God is the great supplier of all things. And we need to trust in Him. Trust in Him to supply our every need so that we can then become generous and that our generosity will point others back to God as the God of the cosmos, as the Creator. And that then results in thanksgiving. Then in verses 12 and 14, Paul outlines really quickly four benefits of this giving that they're called to. He says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. So four things really quickly. First off, giving supplies the needs of the church. It supplies the needs of the church and the Lord's people. In addition, number two, it points others to God. It points others to God, and it, and it causes them to give thanks to Him. It also is evidence, friends, the giving is evidence of the grace of God working in us. When people see our generosity, they see that the grace of God has affected us. It's changed us. And then as the needs are met through the church, it causes us to pray for each other and causes us to pray for the church. And then Paul, he really kind of takes us home here at the end. We've, we've come full circle here. And he finishes chapter 9 by taking us back to where it all began at the beginning of chapter 8 last week. In verses 14 and 15, Paul reminds us that we give generously and we give cheerfully and we give sacrificially 
Not because we gain anything from it, but as he says, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And what is that indescribable gift? Jesus. The grace of Jesus Christ poured out on the cross. John 3.16, it just, it just nails it. For God so loved the world, God so loved you, that He gave. He gave generously His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Think about the grace that God has poured out on us. How should we respond? God is a cheerful giver, and he loves a cheerful giver. And he calls us to share generously. Look at what God has blessed you with and to decide in your heart what to give. And give it freely. Give it cheerfully. Give generously. Not reluctantly. Mm -mm. Not under compulsion. And give as you are able. Friends, the principles outlined here by Paul are designed to give support to the needs of others and support to the church. Support to the mission of Hope Church. This church has a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. We want to be Jesus to Lowell and the surrounding area, to the ends of the earth. And we can, friends, we can mount up on wings like eagles, and we can fly if we all pull together and give. And the people would say, let it fly, Jesus. Let it fly. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and, and we thank you for that gift of grace. The grace, Lord, that, that compels us. The grace that creates in us the desire to be generous and to give cheerfully. Lord, we look at the example of the generous and cheerful giving of the cross. And Lord, I just pray that it would work in our hearts and work in our minds and that we would be generous and that we would give cheerfully back to you and to others. Lord, we love you. We love others. And let this speak to the love that we have for you. Father, hear our prayer. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.